This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back, a college world title. Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Please, Mr. Kraft. Easy now. Please, Mr. Kraft. <laughs> can I have a day off? And Ebenezer Scrooge over here decided to bless me well, with a day off. We'll see. We'll see how the rest of this morning goes. Yeah, because you can. Do you have the power to change your mind? Uh, on that matter, but hopefully that right. does not happen. Veto power. That's right. Well, because I'm I always, what was it? I learned this a long time ago from one of my bosses. Always reserve the right to change your mind. You had a boss once? Yes, but yeah, I live with her every day. Ah. <laughs> hey oh. Yeah, uh, you know. Always reserve the right to change your mind. Yeah, I'll give you a yes, but I reserve the right to change my mind at some point in the future. Okay, well, then I will at least take that for now because I'm really excited. I get to go to Jimmy Buffett tonight. Both, both you guys are going to see – I know a lot of people going to see Buffett this weekend. Buff, nothing wrong with Buffett at all. I mean, Buffett's a legend. Yeah. You know? Not my there, – there's a lot of concerts I like want to go see, particular musical performers that, hey, if they're in the area, I'm going. Buffett's not on that list for me, but I can certainly understand. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess what I don't, I, I understand it and don't understand at the same time because it's kind of a generational thing. This is more my dad, your dad's generation. But at the same time, I totally get it because you say, well, Kraft, you've been to a dozen James Taylor concerts and that's the same yep. thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, J- not, not that Jimmy Buffett and James Taylor are the same thing, but they're in the same era. Right. So I get it. I get why someone of your age would be inclined. And I think kind of like it is with James Taylor for me, it transcends generations. It transcends the decades of age. Buffett's one of those acts that also does it. That really doesn't fall in. What kind of act is he? Well, he's not, he kind of falls in his own category. Yeah, he's, I mean. Kind of like James Taylor. He kind of falls in his own category. He does, he plays, yeah, he just, he plays the acoustic guitar more, more often than not. He likes to uh, talk about, you know, beach stuff. He has the little rain drums that he bangs on. I mean, yeah, it's 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 more one of those things. But So you're going to see him in Little Rock? That's right. I know some people that went, I think he was in Tulsa, Tulsa. last night. Mm-hmm. And then Ty, instead of going where it's convenient, like Tulsa or Little Rock, he's going to drive to Albuquerque or whatever tomorrow. Dallas. Somewhere <laughs> in seam. Somewhere west. Yeah. Why didn't you go somewhere closer, dude? Dallas is like four hours from here. And it's, yeah, like Little Rock's like an hour and a half. It's on the Tulsa's, weekends. Tulsa's, Tulsa's like an hour and 45. Yeah. I don't get weekdays off, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, he's making the rounds around in this region, too. <laughs> but, you know, Tommy, you mentioned the uh, generational thing. That's the main reason I'm going to this concert because me and my brother were taking my dad. That was his That was his birthday gift. Right, that's right. a great Slash gift. Father's Day gift I, is when, it's coming up. You know, miss my dad every day was one of the, the great memories I carry with me is us, me and him and my brother going yeah. to james taylor concerts yep. so yeah. i totally get where you're coming from yeah and what's totally funny get it. and what's funny and not to get you know morbid about the whole thing but my father is such a big jimmy buffett fan that he has made it known at his funeral he wants one particular harbor by jimmy buffett played mm-hmm. as well as the last man go in paris that's like what he wants. No other songs. He doesn't want, you know, any church hymns or, you know, anything. He wants Jimmy Buffett play. You know, <laughs> I didn't, we, unfortunately, dad did not make it known, but I, I had enough of an idea. We played three James Taylor songs at his 
service. Really? So which uh, which three? Let's see. It was Fire and Rain, Mexico, or uh, going to Carolina. My mind. Of course, yeah, I gotta have that one. And uh, I believe Mexico was the other. I'm the I, I can't remember which of the, the, the three we chose. I know North going to Carolina. In my mind was like number one. Fire and Rain was one of his favorites. And then we also kind of. Uh, acoustically saying, or, or not, uh, or not acoustically. I need the right word. Acapella, uh, acapella saying, uh, "You got a friend." So very nice. Okay. Well, you know that. So I, mean, I can get. I totally get how. You know these are. Uh, you know lifetime memories. Yeah. These are memories you you hang on to. So. Yeah. Have a great time. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Cause just, I mean, the show tomorrow doesn't start till 6 a.m. The concert will be over by 10 tonight. Mm, so. No, well, probably not because it starts at 8. Okay, so. yeah, midnight. You got six yeah. hours to get back in. Yeah, I don't know what Only I'm complaining about. I don't, know what, I don't know why I need the day off then in that case. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Seriously, that'll be a good time for it both, will be. both you guys this weekend. Yeah, it will be. And uh, and, and on the last note, too, this is it's funny because the last time we actually bought my dad Jimmy Buffett tickets when he was playing in Little Rock was in 2012, I believe. When a massive snowstorm hit just randomly yeah. uh, in the month of May, so, so. <laughs> all this flooding has been occurring. As, yeah. You know, it's kind of the waters have receded in western Arkansas. It's still high in. I mean, that I assume the concerts at Verizon yeah. whatever, or whatever, whatever it's called now. Yeah, was it Simmons Bank? I think it's Simmons Bank, the big arena in North Little Rock. That one. What about parking? I mean, because a lot of that parking is right there along the river. Yeah, and all the restaurants that you like to go to that. On the Little Rock side, mm-hmm. and then walk across that. Which one's the? That's not the big dam bridge because that's not where the dam's at. No, I don't know what they call that bridge. Is you walk across, but you can eat in Little Rock, walk across the bridge, go to the concert, walk back. Yeah, kind of deal. Yeah, I mean parking's always a nightmare when you go to. We'll just call it Verizon, so everyone knows what we're talking about. Right. Oh yeah, it's always a nightmare, but. And now you take, I'm just saying you take away some of that parking because I know some of it's underwater right now. That's right. But I thought ahead. I bought me a parking pass. So I'm ready to go. Look at you go. I know. Spared no expense on this trip, Tommy. (laughs) Even got me a parking pass. Because of that very reason, though. I was like, you know what? This might be smart because trying to drive around with all the floodwaters and all that, trying to find parking spots may not be very easy to go about. So, uh, But we found one, and we're going to make it work to the best of our ability. So. Next thing you know, Ty, he'll be wanting to leave early today. Yeah, know? I know. I mean, he will leave early today. Well, well, I got a meeting. We got a meeting planned. Yeah, t- t- Tommy's well, I just got, this, got scheduled. As as a, the, <laughs> since halftime, so we're going to have a staff yeah, meeting. Yeah, 2.30 staff two, meeting. Two that we gotta, well, we'll do it at 2.15. Got to put together. For your convenience. Yeah, well, well, what a guy. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll put me on con. <laughs> Conference call. Well, on no, my no, phone. no. You, uh, you need there. There's some particular really, material mm, I need you to present in this mm, meeting. Today. Yeah, see, that's that's the t- that's the problem with being. But the we'll king have you out of here by four thirty or five. I mean, you'll be there. And, you said it started at eight. No problem. Yeah. We'll have you out of here by five. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about being the king of the company here, like Tommy Crab. You can just make up your rules as you go. Right. It's like whose line is it anyways? Right. <laughs> there's no room. The rules are there, matter. and the points don't matter. Yep. Just make it up as we just, go. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll right. have you out here by four thirty, four forty-five. So sweet of you, Tommy. No You're the best, best boss ever here on the morning ride. And Pearson Broadcasting. So, but uh, of course, with it being Jimmy Buffett concert tonight, just rumor has it that there'll be a few songs in the um, show this morning, just showing some uh, homage don't, to uh, Jimmy Buffett. Don't inhale any secondhand smoke either while you're down there. Nope, nope. But what about land sharks? That's my favorite. You know, I know that. I, that's I why never, I know. You know, for those that don't know, and you should, if you don't, land shark beer is like the official Jimmy Buffett beer. Now, it's, yeah, it is a. 
it's a it's an Anheuser Busch product now, right? But it, it started with him, and his sister has a restaurant in Gulf Shores, Alabama, called Lulu's. Mm-hmm. And the first time I ever, and it, I'll tell you when it was, I was on my way to the what we've called the Capital One Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, whatever. What Arkansas played in Orlando down there against Wisconsin, following the 06 season. Okay, yeah, we stopped and spent the night. In Gulf Shores, because we we drove, and we ate at Lulu's. And they said, they had this Land Shark beer, and it's coming out about that time. Yeah, let's try one. And and the bar, and this is the part you need to listen to. The bartender, she says, would you like a loaded Land Shark? Well, my ears perked up. Mm. Well, I might. Tell me more. (laughs) Tell me more. What makes it loaded? The neck on a glass bottled long neck. You take that. And we're giving lessons here on the morning show. So we do. And you take a citrus rum, in this case, a Bacardi Limon, mm. lemon-flavored rum, and you fill that neck up with it, put the lime in, you turn it up, and then you have yourself a loaded land shark. Well, be. And they're nice. <laughs> how many, so do, how many loaded those? How many loaded land sharks? You don't you need... Have? It's actually a money-saving deal. If it's a dollar more for that, you don't need nearly as many if you'll, if you'll load them so up. So not only is it great, but you save money. Everybody exactly. wins. It's a, it's a win-win deal. It's a whole win-win situation. So brought that recipe back with me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I will... Now we'll spread the word. Yeah. And all the friends that's going to be down there that I know, I'll, I'll let them that's know about it. That's my favorite beer in the world, but they don't make... and they, Nor should they make a land shark light, but... Well, you just, it's like two forty a, a bottle, calorie wise. Can't drink it all the time. Yeah, those are one of those. Uh, it's a special occasion beer. It's not the price; it's the calories. Yeah, that's that's like your dessert beer, if you if well, you will. If you want, <laughs> if you don't want dessert of ice cream, just have a dessert with the land shark. Speaking of ice cream, we had our we were way off, yeah, we were way off our plan this morning already. But that's fine. Had our first batch of homemade ice cream for the summer. You wonder why I struggle with my weight? My wife Stuff made like that. She made homemade peach cobbler. Oh my god! But not not no canned peaches here. You talking about fresh fresh peaches. peaches, homemade peach cobbler, and homemade ice cream. How do I? You can't say no to that. Uh, you suckered me in. I can't. I can't do that either. If it's that, I'm done. I, I got to eat it. I don't. Satan care. and hookers are less tempting. <laughs> what is more tempting than homemade out of the oven? Walk in the door. You can smell it cooking, and homemade vanilla ice cream. There's nothing. God. Because I could be stuffed to the rafters of food that I've oh, eaten all yeah, previously. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. I'm going to find room. i got to make room for it. Got to eat it. And I don't care if I regret it later. Right. I have yeah, to do I'm it. I'm with you. So, I mean, especially, ooh, homemade cobbler. Oh. Peach and apple cobbler. I love them both. And then with homemade ice cream, mm. just send me off to sea. Go. <laughs> I'm just done that ends up so, being the case. But it's that time of year. Yeah. It's that time of year where you're able to get that. You so better than homemade ice cream in the summer. That's pretty good, right? It's hard to beat, especially with the different flavors that you have. Okay, so I know probably people are saying, hey, I guess this is what they're going to talk about all day, yeah. but don't worry. Head to hell, we'll get with sports. With yeah, I mean, let's, know, let's, let's get to the important things like Jimmy Buffett and homemade some, ice cream. Let's get to have some fun for a little yeah, while. Yeah, let us have we one. We talk sports all the time. Let's have some fun. Let's just have that one. Just that one. Right. But the we boring, are gonna, The boring part of the show is coming up. We're going to talk about the Arkansas Super Regional. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. A light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hog! 
college basketball, it seems like every single year they have some sort of adjustments on rules, which a lot of sports do. But college basketball definitely makes some significant ones, probably more so than any of the other leagues. And they have confirmed some new changes for the upcoming season and thereafter, continuing on how if they like the rules or if they want to adjust uh, them or anything like that. Not some 20, 20 rule changes. Now, 20 rules. There's several that are more significant than others. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's about three or four that I think are very significant. I, I know that and, you were saying that the referees are getting new shirts. Yeah, gonna, so. the referees going to look different. Yeah, well, I, I know which I know you're pumped about because well, you're like, switching up style. You need some style out there. Uh, when you're trying to modernize it. a little bit, yeah. No, anyway, that, that. that's one of the twenty. That's probably the least significant uh, as far as fan concern. I, I think the most significant, most noticeable, because it's going to change lines on the floor, is the the changing of the three point line. Well, what are they doing? Well, they're going to move back to the international line. Well, what is the what the heck is that? Well, right now the three point line, as we know, it's been twenty feet nine inches. This thing started at nineteen nine at the top of the key. Now it's moving back, and it's not going to be. It, it's not going to be. Um, it's going to have a little bit different look. So, twenty feet nine inches to twenty-two feet one inches and a quarter at the top of the key. Twenty-one feet seven inches and a little bit further, seven eighths out on the on the wing. So it's not symmetrical. Would that be the the right word? I think symmetrical is the right word there. Where it's the 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 curved shape all the way around. It's got a little bit of a corner like the NBA does, but it's not as as long as the NBA shot now you said well why are they doing it? you've asked a very good question in this game about getting more points that's what i've heard why in the world would the rules committee and again these these committees ask a lot of questions do a ton of surveys ask a lot of the people that involved from players coaches referees media there's a lot of people that they take their input very seriously and weigh all of this. They experiment with these things in NIT games, preseason games. This isn't done just on a whim because eight or ten people got in a room and voted. That's not how this stuff goes about. All right. The reasoning is that there is some concern about the three-point shot being too prevalent in the game, number one. Mm-hmm. And it opens up more space. Now, where have you heard the word space a lot? Eric Musselman. Here, here lately. But here's the rationale. I've got the NCAA sent me all the rule changes yesterday. I got this email. The rationale for moving back the three-point line is to make more lane available for dribble drive plays from the perimeter. They want to curb the trend of three-point shooting that's becoming too prevalent in the college game right now by making it a bit more challenging while at the same time keeping the shot an integral part of college basketball. That is absolutely spot on. This game has become about two things. Make a three or get a dunk. There's nothing in between. But why is that bad? Because it... Be- I mean, that's what the NBA's become. And that's... And I mean, what? why is that... Why is that... A, why is it when it say the three-point shot has become too prevalent? Why, why is I that think, a bad I thing? I think the more you move... I think the, 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 the rationale here is the more you move the three-point line out a little bit, it creates more space... And that there needs to be more offensive space right now, more spacing uh, by requiring the defense to defend further away. The, the more you bring the defense out, out of the lane, because right now the lane gets packed. Two things about this. They want to reduce physicality in the post. Everybody thinks this is a physical game. Basketball is not a game of physicality. They're trying to reduce that, particularly in the post. So if you push the three-point line out further, you get the defenders further out on the floor, that cleans up the lane and opens up driving lanes so that you can have more of that. 
there is no mid-range game in this in this sport anymore. I think they've yielded on that a little bit. But this is a good compromise. Not going to the NBA line, but going to the what's known as the FIBA line or the international line. Hmm. Creating space by forcing defenders out further. Okay. See, well, and that makes sense. That makes sense. I was just looking at it because when I hear that that the three point shots become too prevalent, to me that makes it sound like the three point well, is a bad thing. Like this, they don't want so many people taking so many threes. This has been done in the NIT with probably something we didn't pay enough attention to the last two years. So this is not something that they have, as I said, have just, just thrown just, together. Yeah, you know, just hey, let's take a vote here, and seven of the eight people said I, and this is what we're doing. That's not how this stuff goes down. So that that I think is one of the things people will pay the most atten- uh, most attention to. The other significant rule change is offensive rebounds in the front court. No, no longer is the shot clock going to reset to thirty seconds. Going to go to twenty. I'm for this rule, and that's to give more possessions. And why would you need thirty? You get thirty on a defensive rebound. Well, it's because you get ten to bring it across half court. You don't need to bring it across half court. So why you need thirty now? Now, you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, it's, it's not a big deal until there's 40 seconds yes, to go in the game. exactly. And now it's a big deal. It changes end-of-game strategy significantly. Because it no longer just – it kill, well, it no longer gives you the extra time where the shot clock could be turned off. You know, if you get an offensive rebound with 19 seconds left, you know, the shot clock's still going to be turned off. So, like, that factor, it doesn't really make a difference. But, like you said, Tommy, in the end of the game when it's under a minute – that can be very significant. Yeah. Which I, this is like one of the rules right there. Which I know that it's about more possessions, and all that. But I think this is this is might be my favorite one because it's eliminating that extra ten seconds right. and can get more possessions, and it makes sense because you don't need that extra ten seconds if you're already in the front court. And the rationale the committee provided was to continue to enhance the pace of play since a full thirty seconds shot clock is not needed when the offensive team is already in the front court. So what we just said. Right. So no need in doing that. Now, some of these changes you'll see immediately. All these, most of these changes you're going to see immediately at the Division One level. What we're watching on TV, what we're going to see at Bud Walton Arena. Smaller schools are going to have a little more time to implement some of some of these changes because relining a floor is not as easy at a Division Two or Three school, and you know may not be in the current year fiscal budget, right? Or whatever. So, they're, they're, you know, smaller schools are going to have a little more time on some of this. The other. Um, Thing that's going to change, you know, head coaches have not been allowed or, per, or permitted to call timeout during live ball play. Uh, the last three seasons, I believe it is three or four seasons, head coaches are now going to be able to request to be granted a timeout when a player of that team has control of the ball in the last two minutes of the second period or the last two minutes of any overtime. I, I'm not wild about this rule. But it's the officiating standpoint. I mean, this is to allow the head coach to request to be granted the timeout specific specific times of the game. The problem's going to be when you've got it puts the officials in a box here because now are you going to be watching the play, watching the clock, and trying to figure out when and when when you can and cannot grant that timeout when there's a minute fifty eight left to go in the game and the guy's in a trap in front of his coach's bench? Is the you know th- this is where the, the officials are going to be uh, put in a tough situation. In, in a few plays that you're going to see throughout the, the course of the year. Couldn't there be some sort of, I don't know, I, and I don't know if this is going to be Because your case, eyes can't be in two places but, at once. And, and it's, hey, you got to have clock awareness. you got to know when right. it is. But there's going to be an instance somewhere in the season where someone thinks they got the shaft on this deal well, because of the time had rolled under two minutes and you didn't do it. Well, you know? Can't it be something to where the referee or the official will automatically grant the timeout no matter what, and then if they look well, up and they see the time, they're like, oh, nope, that's a technical type thing? 
Can they do that? No, they're not going to do that. But um, what this is going to require is the other officials on the floor being having increased clock awareness and helping their partner out. But there's going to be situations where this is – I am just. I see scenarios where this is going to create a problem in college basketball in a critical situation. Yeah. Oh, it, it guarantees. Right it around that two-minute mark. <laughs> Guarantee so, it will. Uh, let's see. There's going to be more monitor reviews. I know y'all are all happy about that. But they're going to add to it. I think this is significant. Let me find this here. Um, with, with basket interference, it's going to be reviewable late, oh, yeah. late in the game now. Well, one so. that one that I thought that, I mean, it's maybe not, it's as, because you don't really hear about maybe. it, but the, the yeah. fact that the panel is proposing that players will be assessed a technical foul for oh. using derogatory language about an opponent's race, ethnicity, national origin, religion, gender, gender expression, gender identity, sexual orientation, or disability. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be... You a, argue with that? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Depends like, on I, the degree of what's said. Well, yeah, it's the degree and also, like, I don't know. That's a that's a long list of things that's like, okay, so, I, I don't know. I think that's going to be, that's going to cause a problem, too, because someone's going to get assessed a technical and they're going to lose their minds because they're going to be like, I didn't say that or I that's not what I meant or that's not what you heard, whatever. I just... I don't know. I feel like this is going to be. So how a about just keep it classy, salad. San Diego? Just that's what I thought the rules were. I mean, that's what it already was. Was hey, keep it classy, well, but I mean, there's here, a certain here, line. I mean, a lot of this has already been in the rules. It's just not enforced. I mean, I'm telling you, some of the things you hear out on a basketball well, I'm floor sure. make you blush. And you know, just it'll be interesting to see how the the enforcement of this is because there's going to be some some technical fouls that come out of left field, and you're going to wonder what was that about going to be falling and it, these are class a not class b technicals too mm. so but um just looking through here that you'll like this one ty uh to penalize flopping or faking being fouled by a player with a class b technical so all for that i'm foul, all for that soccer rule here good and that's after a team warning so wish they had that when grayson allen was in school <laughs> it might be the grayson allen rule <laughs> So, they probably used him as the film session for it. But hey, as mentioned, they are going to add in the last two minutes of the second half or the last two minutes of any overtime period uh, the, the use of instant replay to review basket interference and goaltending when a call has been made on the floor. I love this rule. That is one of the most difficult calls to get absolutely correct. And then there's always great replay angles, with particularly postseason play where there's a camera behind the backboard. You can't officiate as good as they can televise it. Nope. And when it's late, this isn't going to be something you can do at any point in the game, only late in the game. TV, the, it, the people watching at home on TV should never have more information and a better look than the officials have available to them. And you're talking about trying to officiate a fingernail touch, you know, the touch of a fingertip 10 feet in the air from 28 feet away. Not always going to, and you only got two officials that generally can help on those plays. The guy underneath the basket, the lead official, is generally, unless he's way wide, no help on that play. So I love this change because if you have, particularly at the highest levels, good television, good replays, you got a chance to get the play right. And I'm all about let's just get it right. Yeah, I think everybody is to an extent, and but as long as it doesn't take too much time away from the game, yeah. that's where it comes into play. Why is it we can pause a game and have a four-minute television timeout? Coach can call timeout. They can have a timeout and have a uh, some kind of game out on the floor, and that can last three, four minutes. We can have built-in, we have eight built-in medias. No one boos that, but the officials stop the game for 20 seconds and the whole place wants to come down. No one because the you. officials want to stop the game and get the call right. 
No I don't one, get the I don't get the mentality. Because no one likes the refs. Well, but without I, them, I three, understand. Without them, I agree with you. I'm just I'm just I'm giving just you an say, explanation. I'm just saying we stopped the game a whole lot already for lesser reasons, right? Yeah. With eight built-in media timeouts, and then each team gets their designated timeouts. I agree with you. I'm so just that's tell- eight. <laughs> just telling you. At 16 times, the game can be stopped. No one boos when the timeout's called. But you're keeping up their team. But you stop the game for 30 seconds to get a call right, and it's the end of the world. I know. I, I Listen, I agree with you, but that's, I'm just telling you like it is. People just don't like the officials. That's well, where it's at. So Just trying to get it right. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays. Fun for every occasion. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. I wouldn't say you were caught because it's not like you were against it or anything, but you watched the softball College World Series. Yeah, the Women's College World Series. Yes, okay. That's. I just want to make sure I get the title get right it there. Correct. Yes, the Women's College World Series. And the Me Too movement down here after. Yeah, we, we don't need that. We don't need that. But you had mentioned how... You were watching it, and you're a guy that's, you know, you have your sports just like I do. There's sports that you but, just will we'll watch. But I like competition. Right. You know, I like, oh, yeah. that's why we like sports. We like to watch competition. Exactly. And I think we all have those sports that it's like we won't make time for, but then if it's like it's on, it's kind of like, oh, let's see what's going on over mm-hmm. here. Cause I'm kind of honestly low key. I'm that way with bowling. I don't know what it is, but if it's on TV early Sunday morning on ESPN, well, I'm watching I think, bowling. I think you're bowling and golf are things that, hey, when we get done watching, we can actually go do this ourselves and. Feel good about ourselves for a second. Right. <laughs> we still, at least have the attempt. But hard to go play football because you can't get 22 of your, 21 of your other closest friends together for a quick football game. Yeah. And, or and a quick baseball exa- game. Yeah. Baseball, same way too. Basketball, you can kind of find a way. But right. yeah, it's just not as easy. But, right. But there are just those sports, though, that when they're on or when you see them on television as you're passing through the guides, you just check it out for a little bit. And when you had brought that up, because I had watched it a little bit, too, because it was between right. UCLA and Oklahoma. Right. And UCLA won the College World Series championship. Same, same format as what we'll see in Omaha. It's, right. They, get, they have two brackets with four teams in each. There's eight teams that get to the Women's College World Series, and they have a best of three. That's and right. UCLA and Oklahoma. This was the best of three we were watching. Right. And when we were talking about that yesterday, a tweet was put out by the uh, ESPN Public Relations, because they like to do that as far as viewership and everything. And they mentioned how the... Women's College World Series, the ratings and viewers were up hundreds of percent more from the previous mm-hmm. year, like 14 million more viewers, something pretty crazy like that. And, you know, when you see stuff like that, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I know TV ratings aren't everything as just far as how where a sport is at in its popularity. But I started looking at it from the perspective of something like softball that's going on and then looking also at college baseball, too, just over the growth over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And it started making me wonder what makes a sport become as well, popular as like I don't think anything's going to touch the NFL. I just don't, at least in my lifetime, soon. not yeah. anytime soon, unless they really just start making some serious, crazy changes that take nationally. away from the game. I, I would argue that the NFL is not the most popular thing here, but we don't live in a home market, right? Right. I, I, I would argue that college football and hundred percent, particularly Arkansas football, is the most popular thing. Here, so when you say the NFL is the most popular, I agree with you, but that's on a national national, national, scope. national scope. That's right. 
But NFL, though, even if you're just ranking the leagues or the sports that people care about in this state or that they rank most popular, NFL's still going to be up there it's in the top two. two or three. Yeah, yeah because, I, you know, it's football. It's football. Yeah, and it's football at a high level. So I don't think anything's going to touch those sports and their popularity, at least not anytime soon. But seeing just how something like college baseball has grown and seeing something like softball and, and the Women's mm-hmm. College World Series and seeing the growth of it, what makes it get to that point? I, here's what I wonder, just having this conversation, not, not giving it a great deal of pondering. Is it the fact that now youth softball is more readily accessible? I mean, my seven-year-old played when she was five and just wasn't for her. She, she didn't like all the standing around in the field waiting on someone to, to hit a ball her way. I mean, just, you know, but there are, are youth and kids from age five up playing softball and now you can play softball at the high school level i think volleyball is another sport yep. that's going to take a tremendous jump uh in popularity soccer the same way because i think we all gravitate and like to follow and like to watch sports on tv that we once played you know and not everybody can play football not everybody played basketball but you know everybody now has a sport or an avenue or a something that they can be involved in as a youth and as a kid in high school and be on a team and i think Mm -hmm. being in on a team is one of the most important things you can do to your growth and now that you know when i was going through i don't don't, there was volleyball but there wasn't softball and they just brought back baseball the high school's enforcement didn't even have baseball when i was going through brought them back like my senior year right after my senior year so it was um I think that's part of it is we've seen a growth in access to this, these sports at the at the younger levels. Yeah, because one thing that it would if you're looking at it from a logical perspective, I would think that if some if there's a lot of these smaller sports, quote unquote, that are growing at a rapid rate mm-hmm. and that are really blowing up, then it would then some other big sport would have it being taken away like yeah, that but, that's what would logic would tell you but that's not even the no. case i mean a they're not in the same season but b what else was on the other night were you watching the women's college world series because you were really interested in softball or there just wasn't i mean because for me there wasn't a lot of other choices when it came to sports on the tv that night but i'll tell you what i stopped in to check on the score and what drew me in is there was a there was a home run or an exciting. I don't remember exactly what, but the energy you could the, television did a great job on that event of capturing over in Oklahoma City the energy of that event and when in the way the teams were chanting and rooting for their teammates and then when someone hit a home run or scored the whole dugout unloaded and they came out and they congratulated. There was just seemed like a higher level of energy mm-hmm. around that broadcast and you see you certainly don't see that in a in a baseball game, you know, where the whole dugout empties out, you know, other than a game-winning home run, a walk-off type situation, you know, it's just diff- it's just the difference in the culture of the sport. I think we're not as conditioned for that in, in softball or whatever. We're not used to it because we don't watch a lot of it. And it was to me, that kind of drew me in. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is that it's drawing in Un, um, unlikely viewers like you're like you said you're not going to be making it to where it's a priority you're gonna watch it over you know any other sport that you no. enjoy I'm not gonna like, be searching it out next season on right. the sec network for hey i wonder when florida and vanderbilt are hooking up in softball here. right right i, I want to watch that 
Right. And it's important. That's why it's really smart by ESPN and those people you know, viewing this is to put the games at times where well, it's it's not going up against any other heavy hitters in sports. And you had one versus two right. with UCLA and Oklahoma. Oklahoma had won, what, three of the last four, the last three or something like that. Again, I don't know a lot about softball, but I know they've had a lot of success here lately. And UCLA won their 12th national title. These were the best two teams in the sport. The most All-Americans, the most, you know, th- this was an epic matchup of titans in that sport. Goliaths. Mm-hmm. Goliath on Goliath. Wasn't no David in this story. It's two Goliaths. Right. So I think that's all, I think that also intrigues us, you know, but I just think the growth in youth softball helps fuel and drive 15 more, 15 million more viewers for an event like that. Which I agree with. And it also started really making me dive into it and think, okay, so all these other sports that actually have been around, you don't see much growth in it. For instance, like women's basketball. It's had some growth, but it's mainly at the college level, not really the professional level, not really past that. When's the last time you watched a WNBA game? Right. But it's been around for a long time. It just hasn't grown to that point. But how much how much of the women's SEC tournament did you watch when Mike Neighbors was making that run? Yeah, you watched I it. I watched it because, well, I root for the Razorbacks. Yeah. So there's always, with college sports, you've always got that team you're rooting for or the team, in some cases, you're rooting against. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not a fan of UCLA or Oklahoma, maybe you tuned in to root against a team. Because probably not many of you are, are fans of some out here listening that are fans of Oklahoma, but I doubt there's very many UCLA fans listening to this show. No, I wouldn't think. Of course, somebody's probably going to tweet at us I right mean, now and get mad, but yes. Let's see if we can get some call, calls or just comments on social media about this. If you watched the other night, why? Why did you watch? Was it because your your daughters were in the room with you and they wanted to watch? Is it because you've coached youth softball and it intrigues you? Your kids played and now you're interested in the sport? Why did this sport have you said, you, a hundred uh, over a hundred percent growth in viewership? Mm-hmm. Just and for it was the fifteen million more, roughly. Yeah, fourteen, I think, million. Yeah, more, more, or that's how many they had. More. So they were talking like thirty million people were watching. Yeah, is that right? It's what the thing said. That can't be right because thirty million would be like an NFL game. I'll check it. That's what I thought it said. That can't be right. It sounded right. <laughs> because like. 30-something million okay, watch an yes, NFL game. It, it was, 36 million watch like yes. a big like AFC-NFC championship game. My apologies. It's, uh, it was it was 1.8 million more, which oh, equated okay. to 14 million. Glad you double-checked him, Tommy. Hang on. Say that again. It 1. was 1.8 million, million more. more. It, oh, so it totaled. The, the, the additional 1.8 totaled the audience. Well, that's still a... Yes. I mean, 14 million people watching this is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. A good... Put this into terms, a Saturday afternoon SEC football game gets about $17 million, I think. Something like that. So you're telling me 14 million people watched this softball game the other night. That's on par with the college football game. Right? Not bad. Double check me on that, but I believe I'm right about that. Yeah. Because college football gets about half of what a postseason NFL game gets. And generally a good postseason NFL game... Like conference shape, where it's going to get upper twenty millions into the thirty millions. It's really the right teams. So, I mean, fourteen million people watching that is a big deal. Yeah, and I mean, it's just going to... I mean, if you try to put it on scale with other sports. Yeah, I mean, don't don't be out there. See, only one point eight. No, 
We're talking like this would be a good Saturday afternoon, 2.30 game CBS type audience. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible how much That's it's grown. It's a big cable audience. Yeah. And I think that promotion has done a good job of it. And like you said, Tommy, excitement and energy around it has done a good job with it, too. But there's just there's sports that have grown significantly well, across and, the board. And I, I think if we keep doing this long enough and we're in these chairs 10 years from now, we're going to be talking more about these sports at times. Because it's as the generations get older, they're going to be more interested. I'm telling you, it, it may be the end of me when we have to start talking soccer more. You know, mm-hmm. but it's coming because is there a, a sport that's becoming any more popular than soccer in America? I mean, soccer is going to surpass baseball at some point. It already has worldwide years ago, but here domestically, it's going to. Don't yeah. tell Phil that. Oh, well, I don't know if in here in the state of Arkansas, it'll, how long it'll take. I think it'll take longer in this state than anywhere else, but at the rate it's going, I mean, all you need all? is a couple of good cycles of, of, of America having good World Cup teams. And, it, That'll be because, the day. and why? Because soccer has been reintroduced. Now that field turf's available, mm-hmm. one of the pushbacks from school administrators at the high school level for years was having a field can't tear up the football field to play soccer on it we ain't doing that mm-hmm. well now that we've got field turf everywhere everybody plays soccer that's right and after where you got it getting torn up right you know usually you'd have to go over to the old elementary school and play on their <laughs> find the big yard or whatever, yeah. something <laughs> find a big now, yard. <laughs> there were schools that would not have soccer i'm telling you i know this because they told me they didn't want to have soccer in certain schools because it would mess up the football field yeah. even though it was a spring sport well, hey, we got spring practice, and we got you know all these. <laughs> we're just not going to tear up our football field for soccer. Well, now it's not a problem. We got turf. Yep. Oh yeah, we're, we'd love to have soccer. Yep. You know. But like you said, if the, if if the United States ever advanced in the and, World and Cup, ever got to that point where right. they like played in the finals, you, we're training up a generation right now. We're 15 years from now. It's just going to be more you know MLS teams and all this other stuff that I don't understand and not even going to pretend I understand. It's becoming more and more popular because mm-hmm. the eight year old listing today. The 12-year-old listing today is going to be in their 20s and, you know, kind of driving the conversation 10, 15 years from now. Yep. Be crazy to see where everything's at, especially with soccer. Oy. Yeah, at least. <laughs> but, Tommy, well, hopefully you'll be retired by the point that they start making 15 you. years from now? I don't know. That put me 58. Well, if Ber- you know, Bernie was in town. You know, she's going to get Medicare for all. So, you know, we're going to get that free health insurance. Maybe I'll be out of here by then. I Get guess that I know, free insurance. I, I guess Tommy just uh, divulged who he's voting for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Election. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Bring on the free stuff, baby. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer. Let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Richard Davenport of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette to talk a little more recruiting with us on this Recruiting Thursday. Good morning, Richard. How's it going? Top of the morning, guys. Well, as always, we appreciate you hopping on with us. And, you know, it's kind of one of these times of year. I'm sure it's always busy for you because recruiting never stops. But it's one of those times of year, too, where it kind of gets into the points where it's like, all right, so when are the dead periods? When are they recruiting? How are they doing visits? How is this going about on football, on basketball and all that? It's just kind of a weird time in the recruiting realm. What goes on at this point in time, usually during the year when it comes to recruiting, especially of the major sports at Arkansas? Is it still going full throttle? Is it kind of slowing down a bit? What's going on right now? No, still going full throttle. Uh, you, you're going to have some official visits for uh, football next week, uh, June the uh, 12th through the 14th. 
And, uh, you know, with uh, Coach Musselman and <laughs> the basketball program, you just never know. But, uh, no, it's, it's still it's still a full throttle. And then you have some camps uh, starting up as far as on-campus camps uh, for football uh, starting on uh, Monday and uh, running through the week. You know, I, I know we talk mainly 99% of the time about basketball and football recruiting, but also it's a – a critical baseball recruiting time because you just had the major league baseball draft and you're you're trying to figure out which player's going to have to re-recruit I, I i know you focus some on that but not a lot but any headlines anything we need to to really be aware of that uh, the casual fan may not be paying attention to because we're focused on Ole miss this weekend that that has come about as a result of the draft or um we need to be thinking about with baseball recruiting well you, you're right I, I i dabble in it a little bit but not that much I, one thing that you can you know, you you referring to the uh, draft. I mean, uh, from what I can tell, Arkansas came through uh, pretty good there, as far as the signees and some of the guys that are committed to them. Uh, it, you know, I don't think they had anybody in the top ten. And usually, uh, you know, early rounds is when you really got to worry about uh, somebody maybe uh, you know signing and not coming to school. But it appears, you know, just a little bit that I've noticed. Uh, and again, like you said, I, I don't dabble in it that much. Uh, it appears that uh, they're going to come come out of this pretty good. I mean, as far as not losing anybody, uh, at least that I can tell off the top of my head, you know, as far as uh, to the draft. Speaking with Richard Davenport of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette right now on the Morning Rush. Richard, I want to ask you about this Jacoby Criswell situation because it's a weird thing where in the state of Arkansas you have a high-level recruit Yet it doesn't really seem like it was a fit. There was I don't know if how much recruiting went into it, but either way, he has committed to play at North Carolina and Arkansas obviously having some targets at quarterback and quarterbacks already on campus. It just makes for kind of an interesting situation because it's hard to tell Razorback fans one of the best players in your state is not coming to your school because there may not be a place for him. What do you make of this situation about him going to North Carolina? And is this something that uh, Arkansas coaches maybe should have been more on and tried to get him to come to Arkansas? You know, hey, I've always said, and I mean, previous coaching staffs, and I'll say it again with this previous uh, this coaching staff. Uh, each staff has to evaluate and and figure out if a, if a kid is a fit for their program or not. For whatever reason, they did not. They weren't as high on uh, Jacoby as maybe some of the other schools that were recruiting him, and I think they're. Uh, I think you know when it's all said and done, you're probably going to see obviously Jacoby at North Carolina and, and uh, probably uh, Chandler Morris at Arkansas. And and people for people who think that Chandler Morris is just coming to Arkansas, if he does in fact go to Arkansas, I think he will. But in fact, if he does. Some are going to say just because of his uh, father. Excuse me, but I, I tell you, he's the real deal. As far as Jacoby, I I, I I love the kid. I think I think he has a chance to be pretty special in, uh, on the college level. Uh, I've always said that. I've been I've been high on him since uh, he, was a, he was a sophomore in high school, and uh, you know, some, sometimes uh, you know through evaluation, uh, some some you know. Schools look at a kid and and are are high on him, and some some schools aren't. Yep. So uh, you know, I think it's pretty much what it came down to. And and to put it in perspective, uh, you know, for those that don't know, Jacoby Criswell, the quarterback at Moralton, is his half brother's Dre Greenlaw, 
and he wants you know i think arkansas was a place he was certainly uh uh very interested in going from all i've been told about it richard and, and certainly you're a lot closer to it but i mean it was a who's who that came in to recruit him there in moralton i mean every coaching staff and the, the sec seemed to have arrived in Moralton at some point or at least the offensive coordinator so th- he was a highly sought after player in our state just you know making sure the listeners understand this th- this was a guy that you know Georgia was after this was a guy Tennessee was after Ole Miss I mean um, you know so, some schools sent their entire staff to Moralton to uh, to try to recruit this young man yeah there's no doubt I mean he's got he's got a, he's got an unbelievable arm he's got one of the strongest arms I've seen and uh, he, he's he's got the it factor. There's there's just so so many things to like, uh, but obviously the evaluation uh, process uh, with him in Arkansas didn't didn't work out. And uh, you know, again, if uh, Chandler's the guy, I think fans are going to be excited about him. He's, he's both of both of them have been invited to the uh, the Elite Eleven, the quarterback. Uh, uh, competition, national competition. So uh, both of them are, are the real deal. Richard, uh, just speaking on the on the quarterback situation stuff, you brought up Chandler Morris, and I was actually having this discussion with a friend of mine the other day when talking about him. And you know, sometimes people when they see a coach's son is is good or coming to their school or whatnot, it's almost like a bad taste in people's mouths for whatever reason. They don't ever want a coach's son on the staff because they always just assume them worse that there's preferential treatment and and all of this stuff, but as far as Chandler Morris goes, you've seen him play, and obviously there he's being recruited by some big time programs. This isn't a situation where if he comes to Arkansas, it's not just because his dad is coach. Like he's a legitimate player and can be a legitimate quarterback in the SEC based on what you've watched from him, right? Absolutely, uh, and and I'm, I'll be honest with you, I was a skeptic at first. I really was until last summer. Saw him in camp uh, two or three times, and I saw him in. Uh, Saw him in a game uh, right before the A and M game, uh, uh, and the kid the kid is legit. He is his uh, accuracy is is uh, as good as there is. Arm strength is good. Uh, his fundamentals, obviously, being a coach's son, is excellent. Uh, I mean, and, and he's a dual threat too. Anybody says he's not a dual threat hasn't seen him in person. He, he took off on a, like a fifty yard run. And he was, he was, he was like a dart, man. He was gone. He, he's got legitimate four or five speed, uh, around, at least around four or five speed. So, uh, he's, he's, he's got the tools that, you know, coaches are, are looking for on the college level. And, you know, he, he may not be the biggest guy, you know, 5'10, 5'11, but, uh, we've seen several uh, smaller quarterbacks in uh, do pretty good in the co- on the college level. Yeah, you know everybody's a skeptic and and not sure that you know if a, if a coach is given preferential treatment as own kid. But then at the same time, if if Chandler decided to go to Auburn or go somewhere yeah. else, you know, can you imagine what people would be thinking? That, See, he, he doesn't even want to play for his own dad. See, his dad doesn't plan to be all the all the different opinions and in, in the uh, the cynics that would come out if he if he ends up choosing to go elsewhere. So it's it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Absolutely, I agree with you. I mean, you brought up a good point, Tommy. And then, then hey, if if Chandler comes to Arkansas and he's a starting quarterback and he struggles a little bit, you, you know oh, you're yeah. going to hear it in the stands. Oh, yeah. You know, coach's it, it, kid. it's a very delicate situation. But but you know, a coach's kid. Use I, I don't know how many coaches' kids that have played quarterback though. Now maybe Dan, what Dan Hawkins at uh, Colorado. He had a son that played. 
quarterback. Uh, the rest of the coach's sons are usually playing other positions, not quarterback. And yeah. that's what makes it even more complicated. Yeah. I remember when I was in high school, Barry Lunny Sr. had just come to Southside, and he started some kid named Barry Lunny Jr. And people his sophomore year were a little bit up in arms, and I think that whole thing worked out okay <laughs> starting his kid at quarterback. But anytime a coach's kid, whether it's high school, college, doesn't matter – you know, everybody's always thinking that there's preferential treatment. And a lot of times, and you can point to plenty of examples where the coach's son, uh, when gets the starting nod, has certainly earned it. Well, all I can say, I'm a huge Chandler Morris fan. I'm also a huge Kobe right. Criswell fan. I think both of them are going to do exceptionally well on the next level. Time will tell, obviously. All right, keep your fan hat on for a minute. Uh, baseball this weekend. What do you think is going to happen between Arkansas and Ole Miss? Well, I'm like uh, some, some other people. You have all the draws you'd want. Send <laughs> one of them. Kind of had your number, you know. But uh, you know, hey, hey, you got what you got, and you got a you got a uh, you got a task at hand, and and you're at home. There's there's no excuses. So, uh, a former stay at home. Yeah. No night games, so you can't hang out there in the hog pen. It's you know, like you normally do. It's just it's gonna be a rough yeah. weekend. And I mean, both of us. You have to keep I your mean, shirt. Yeah, we're gonna have to keep our shirts times. on at the I game mean, this weekend. It's a bad I mean, deal. It's, 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 well, I tell you what, and them threatening us to take us to jail and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I know just, it. It's, 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 but yeah, it's, it's. I just. It's not. It's just valet parking. Is the way I look at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I just leave my car at the at, at the police station. It's valet parking. You know. <laughs> Oh, you Tommy again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, have fun at the ballpark this weekend. We'll talk to you next Thursday. All right, buddy. But one thing you do do well, Tommy, you tip well, even the valet. Absolutely. 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 Appreciate it, Richard. Right, They'll turn the air conditioning on for you that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an old man conversation right there. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.